0: This week on Writers Inc. My favorite by far is the noise because I think we had a good outline and then we went some places we didn't expect to go, but it came out of, we knew where we were going, kind of.
1: Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then, the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out. School's in session. This is Writers Inc.
2: All right, we got a special bonus episode today. If you're looking at your podcast app and you're saying, wait a minute, it's Friday, and I'm hearing the Writers Inc. guys, what's going on? J.D., what's going on today?
3: Uh, clearly a, a glitch in the podcast app, right? If it's throwing us out there twice. Uh, now we, we've got James Patterson on. Um, we obviously wanted to, to squeeze this one in any way that we possibly could. Um, he's got a new book out, um, which came out, I, I believe on, on Monday or, or possibly last Monday Um President's Daughter with Bill Clinton. Uh, it's a phenomenal read. Um, I just got the news. It hit number one on the New York times list. They it debuted there. Um, so we'll see how long it, it holds there. The, the last time these two guys got together and wrote something, they, they wrote the, the best selling book of the year, which I think was 2018 um so this one's in for the long haul but a fantastic book um we just want to throw a disclaimer out there if you're in the car with the kids you may want to cover their ears or, or throw on some music for a little bit because they he, he's not shy about dropping the the, the f-bomb and a, and a couple other choice words through the middle of that but uh, honestly that's what makes him fun to listen to so here he is james patterson
2: uh really excited to talk about the president's daughter uh one of the things I recently read, Jerry Seinfeld said that uh, when he's writing uh, material, he, he has asks himself this question, is this anything? Uh, do you have a version of that? Do you, how do you vet your own ideas?
0: Uh, I think it's a combination of, of head and heart. Uh, a lot of it is just feeling like something moves me. Part of it is that, it, that, that the story interests me for some reason or another. With the president's daughter, um, the president and I had written, uh, you know, the earlier one. Uh, the president is missing, and that was about a, a a president when he was still in office, and and the idea of cybersecurity, which obviously is it's been a big deal for a long time, but right now it's, it seems particularly hot. Um, and so that was interesting, and especially you writing it with President Clinton because he's he's been there. So, I mean, you can sit there and make up stuff, but it's different when when your partner actually, you know, knows what they're talking about for real. Um, and then the second one, uh, it's a president who's out of office. And one of the things, for me at least, when you watch most movies or TV shows and you see the president, they tend to be very plastic and they speak in a very, you know, almost like people are watching press conferences and then deciding, well, that's how president must act. I have not found that to be the case. Certainly with president Clinton, um, he's very human. Um, and so we wanted to, in the second book, we wanted to show the humanity of a president and having a loved one at risk, his daughter who gets kidnapped was one way to, to demonstrate, you know, what, how, how would this? And, and a lot of us can identify w- with that—the the idea of of one of our kids or a, a relative, close relative or whatever, uh, missing or kidnapped or whatever. So you know, so that was what stimulated me. Um, uh, in terms, of, in terms of of, of those books, I, I love the way
2: that you created Keating as not only a former president but an ex Navy SEAL, and I think those guys tend to be very tough and to show that kind of vulnerability in a character made, made him interesting. Did you? Yeah.
0: Well also here's another, I mean, I, I did a book, which if I've done anything important, it's walking my combat boots, Mm -hmm. which is a nonfiction book. And it's just, um, I, I wrote it with, uh, uh, Matt Eversman, Sergeant Matt Eversman. Eversman was the actual Sergeant portrayed in Black Hawk Down. He's a friend of mine in Florida. And I, it's complicated why we got together, but we got together, n- n- it wasn't book related. And I saw him do some interviews and I said, boy, it's, you know, w- when I'll do news interviews, there's sort of a little bit of a curtain because you don't totally, tr- I don't trust you. <laughs> no, I, no I, you know I mean? But there's a little something there. And when Matt would interview military people, there wasn't much of a curtain. They trusted him. He knew exactly the right questions and he knew the right follow-up questions. And um, so we we did that book. And then when we were doing the, the president's daughter, I asked him to vet all of the military stuff. So the weapons, what could happen, what couldn't happen, what was totally ludicrous, which is pretty much what we do with the president. Um, it's hard to say, you know, in this day and age that something wouldn't happen because obviously, all bets are off. If we can storm the Capitol, I mean, it's, and we'll see what happens in the next couple of years in terms of, of uh, you know, what's possible. So is it unlikely that a president's kid would, yeah, it's unlikely, but it's certainly not impossible that any of these things would happen. So with the president and with uh, Eversman, the whole thing was, if it happened, how could it, How what would happen? What would the secret service do? Um, if they were gonna go and try to rescue the daughter, if she is indeed alive, um, how would that work? Right. Now, yeah. I, I know that
2: on uh, when I was watching the interview on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, the president kind of joked and said he can start stories with you, but he can't finish them. Uh, is there any stage where you have to take the draft to have it vetted or, or proofed by anyone in the government?
0: Uh, not in the government, but he's great at it. You know, in terms of vetting it, he knows everything. He remembers pretty much everything. He, I mean, as I said on Kim, well, every once in a while he'll start to tell me a story and go, "Oh wait a minute, I can't tell you that." And Hillary's the same way. I mean, we've become friendly with both of them, and uh, and they're very they're very down to earth you know, and uh, she is, is especially, a, you know, a, with a group of four of us, like my wife and, and, and two of them, she's, um, she's very uh, warm and she's very funny. Uh, and she listens. She's a really good listener. So it's fun. And, you know, I look at the world, uh, you know, I'm on the Hudson now. And where I grew up is up the Hudson, about 25 miles, New Brick, New York, small town. And I, I really consider it to be a gift that I can look at the world through the lens of this guy from Newburgh, who uh, it's like, look, uh, I get to write with the president or hang out with the president or I get books published, whatever. This is great shit, you know? (laughs) Um, And um, uh, so I I really enjoy it. I get a kick out of all of it. And we have a son who's 23 now and we always raised him from the point of view of, look, so what? Your dad writes books, who gives a shit? It's not a big deal. And so don't get a big head about anything and go out there and, you know, uh, live a good life. And, you know, I always used to tell him uh, when we were you know, on the Hudson here and the Hudson here is like two miles wide and it's really a majestic river. A lot of people don't, you know, they're just not familiar with the Hudson and what a gorgeous river it is. And, and when he was a little kid, I would, I would take him out here and I just said the river is life, man. See that? There it is. <laughs> Try not to swim against the current if you don't have to. And if you have to swim against it. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if any of that worked, but, you know, sounded like good bullshit at the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and it certainly came through in the president's daughter. I mean, focusing the, the story around the abduction of, of the president's daughter is something that yeah. every parent can relate to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, even pe- people who aren't parents, you know, I mean, there's a loved one, a wife, a husband, whatever. Although sometimes maybe we'd like the husband to disappear, but you know, <laughs> Oh, he's gone. Oh, a ransom. What are you kidding? It's like, what was that funny movie with uh, Danny DeVito where they, uh, and, and they wouldn't pay any ransom because they didn't want him. Right. Back? <laughs> uh, well, this is, this is the second book that, that you wrote with the president.
2: So uh, what was the process like this time compared to the first time?
0: it was pretty similar uh we agreed on we talked about a couple of subjects and then the outline we usually go back and forth back and forth back and forth um and um and and then and then I would start and, and and get him some chapters and he would do some of the chapters and you know I don't get get too much into process I have a autobiography coming out next year so I'll get into it a little bit more uh it's all stories it's all stories but uh uh, but I, I'll get into process a little bit more uh, when when I put that out. Great,
2: great. Have you have you been helping the president in in writing the fiction? Is that different for him versus his nonfiction stuff?
0: Um, yeah, it is. I don't. I wouldn't say helping him, but I mean, you know, it, we've never had. I I wrote a book with uh, uh, a, a writer from um, uh, Lisa Markland from from Sweden, and she's one of the you know, the best-selling authors in Sweden. And when I went over, oh, it's kind of interesting because I went to uh, to Stockholm and uh, not to Stockholm, I went to somewhere in Sweden, wherever the hell I went. <laughs> and um, there were like 45 interviews. You know, you do a book here, you're lucky if you get one or two interviews. And uh, the interesting thing in general in Europe is they will ask questions you're not expecting they'll get into sociology and history and you know so it's it's it's, it's challenging and fun but the one question that the, almost all of them asked was how could a speed and an American ever get along and you know because they were looking at like the automobile thing which hadn't worked over there the you know American and, and Swedish car makers and, and and we said that you know it, with us it was that we we had respect for one another as writers and then we listened We listened, we actually listened and that's a key thing. And when I worked in Hollywood, that's always a missing ingredient, I don't, mostly I don't find the people out there want to listen. They just want to do their own thing. And unfortunately writers really get beat up, writers, screenwriters get beat up out there. So they love it when there's a novel writer because they finally have somebody they can beat up on, you know, so, uh, you know, I remember going on the the shoot for uh, Kiss the Girls and everybody was very nice. And Morgan Freeman was a, a, a joy to watch him work. Um, but I soon found out that, that on the movie shoot, the novelist uh, uh, ranks uh, uh, below the caterer. Um, <laughs> they, know, they know why the caterer is there. <laughs> they don't know why the novelist has shown up. So at any anyway. rate. Right. I
2: certainly don't want to spoil anything in the book, so we won't go into great detail. But.
0: Yeah, we got another one uh, coming out. The, the next one, which is with your friend JD Barker. Yes, yes, I'd like no to wait. ask you a few questions about that yeah, one too. Talk about that. That's a fun one to talk about too. Definitely. The whole thing is, I mean, you know, I just got a, and, and 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 what you always hope for is 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 that it's really going to work well. And I think the president's daughter, from my point of view, it's a it's a good thriller. It's you know, uh, are there could have been better? I, yeah, sure, but. Uh, I, I mentioned the, the um, uh, walk in my combat boots. I have a book coming out in October with Matt again, Eversman, and we went out and, and, and we interviewed emergency room nurses and it's, it's frigging it's unbelievable. And Matt said, he said, I can only do an interview a day because he said, you know, in combat, you know, every so often there's gonna be a, 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 a skirmish or, or, or a serious fight or whatever. But with emergency room nurses, it's like they pull back one curtain. Oh, this guy's having a heart attack. They pulled back, oh, this kid is, is losing his eye, you, you know, whatever. It's just constant. And we got a quote from Sebastian Junger who you know wrote The Perfect Storm and, and Freedom and War, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's a kind of quote, you go like, wow. He said, James Patterson's account of the twilight world between life and death that nurses inhabit is one of the most moving things I have ever read. I could not stop reading it, and when I was done, I felt like I was changed forever. Wow! And it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. You go like, "Ooh, <laughs> where did that come from?" And then Sanjay Gupta just said a, a quote that was similarly off the wall in terms of. And I think what it is, and it's true of combat boots as well. People think they understand the military, and they think they understand what they don't. They don't. They don't. And all this, it, it, there's not a lot of stuff you read where you go like. You know, I didn't get it before, but I really am starting to get it now. And you know, with combat boots, I think anybody who writes thrillers—if you read that—you'd go, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been really full of shit for a while." And you know, and it's—it's it's, we're doing one on cops now, and it's another one. It's a mind bender hmm. uh, in terms of reality versus <sighs> fiction. Do you
2: think the pandemic has maybe uh, opened some people's eyes to what nurses have to deal with?
0: I I think it I think it made them positive about nurses in terms of they could feel that th- these people are on, on a life and death situation, but they always were, they always were, and so I don't think they understand it better. I think it's sort of like one of these things. Oh, we love firefighters, they don't really understand what it means to fight a fire, but they respect the job. So I think people respect the job of nurses more than they did. I don't think they understand how stunningly intense it is. And also, you know, if, if I set out to write a book about the underbelly of America, I I, I don't know where I'd start. Like you go to bad neighborhoods, you start banging on the doors. Who's the craziest fucker on this street? Yeah. <laughs> no, go to emergency rooms. They see these people every day. And the stories, I mean, just as an example, um, there was one where a nurse was talking about it was relatively calm. And there was one guy sitting on the bed and he was singing dirty songs or whatever. And then there was another guy who was telling them that he was pregnant. And they didn't wanna, you know, but they're sort of the nurses are kind of going, okay. Um, And then this nurse noticed that the pregnant guy, had blood on his shirt. So she went over and she said, sir, could you take your shirt off? And he took his shirt off. And what he had done is he had carved open his stomach and put a baby doll into his stomach. And that's the kind of stuff that's in the, it's just unbelievable. Wow. The, yeah. That you know, is... What these people see every day. And wow. they, yeah. you know, I, and they have the regulars. The regular crazies who will be in there, and it's not like that crazy, but I mean, you know, uh, so. it But it's fascinating, uh, and, and as I said, you just don't read that much where you go, like, I, I didn't get it, but I'm, I'm getting it now. So, at any rate, yeah, Whew, I'm looking forward to that. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's a mind bender.
2: Great. Well, let's talk about our buddy for a few minutes. Uh, tell me about the noise.
0: My buddy. Your buddy <laughs> JD. You know, <laughs> Yeah, the noise is. Um, I think it's coming out in August, and um, he's an interesting thing. We couldn't be more different, uh, JD and I, because I really like to have an outline where I think I've figured it out, but you know, maybe I haven't. But I've got an outline, so I, any every day I kind of know what the chapters are, you know, theoretically. But I'm always open to change. Ch- And you never know because all of a sudden, you know, some character would become more important than you thought they were going to be, or you'll start to understand a character better, or you'll think of a twist that takes something a different way. So it's not, I'm not, it's not an ironclad outline, uh, but I like that he kind of likes to just rock and roll. Yes. Um, And I I find it um, disconcerting. And, and I, think, I think he wastes a lot of time doing that. Um, but so be it. And, 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 and the results have been, have been good because uh, uh, we've done a few things now. My favorite by far is the noise because I think we had a good outline and then we went some places we didn't expect to go but it came out of, we knew where we were going kind of. And um, I've always said, if you can if you can write great openings and great endings, you will you will be able to make a living writing fiction. If you write great medals, you will you know get on the short list for Nobel prizes and stuff. That's not totally true, but <laughs> and I think The Noise actually has a great opening, a great middle, and a great ending. Really great ending. Uh, so, and that's why I think it's special. I was, um, uh, you know, the the trick with the, with the book is, is obviously you have an idea, uh, and, and is the idea something that people, you know, are interested in. If you, if you told your friends in a couple of lines, they go, "Ooh, Ooh, Ooh, when can I read it? Like I told you the nurses thing and you're interested. Right. Uh, so that's a start. Then can you deliver it? You know, like the nurses thing, it's not like these boring 20 page interviews, We took these 30, 40 page interviews and turned them into like five page, boom. And that's that nurse, five, six pages, whatever. So the execution is is good. And then ultimately, um, crazy things like the covers and all that stuff becomes important because a lot of times at the publishers and they'll buy something with enthusiasm, and then they'll put a cover on it that doesn't communicate or whatever, like why they are were so excited about the thing. Or in some cases, they'll do a couple of ads. And I was, I was writing, a, a, a and sometimes, especially now where I can do things in my kitchen. And, and I was just, just at like the beginning of an ad for the noise. And I actually have recorded a sound, which is like, representative of this eerie noise that people are hearing in this book, because it, it starts in the Northwest. And this, this noise, which becomes deafening, and it has these incredible, uh, you know, like whole towns like, are, you know, then they don't disappear, but like everybody in the town is like gone. Um, and, 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 and the thing that I wrote was something to the effect of hear that noise, and you're hearing the noise it's the last sound you'll ever hear. The noise won't stop ever. You can't run from the noise. You can't escape the noise, blah, 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 blah. But that notion of kind of eternal noise hell or whatever, and this thing of like towns, like a whole town, a village, you know, 700 people, they're gone. Uh, And it just keeps building and building and building. So, and in this case with JD, we actually mostly knew where we were going. Uh, uh, the outline was was relatively tight. Uh, we added a, a lot. We started with these two girls um, who. Um, uh, there's a reason why, but they they are, they're kind of spared, as the noise goes through this this little village that they're living in in the northwest, and then. And, and you just, you know, you don't know what the noise is and nobody else does either. So uh, the military comes in and the government gets involved. It all happens very quickly because this thing is sweeping through and heading toward Portland, uh, which which they, they got to stop it, you know. And you just keep getting these little hints and whatever about what the hell it could be. And, you, you know, it's one of these things. I, I always felt that if you can set up a mystery where I'm going, OK, what the hell is it? Uh, uh, You're, you know, that's it. You're, you know, you're hooked. I mean, John Grisham does a pretty good job of, he sets the hook. Uh, You know, he then, he's not as, not as suspenseful as I try to be, but he set the hook, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) You're going, you're going to get there because you want to know what the hell is going to happen. And it's the same thing here, except I think there are a lot of surprises along the way. And the only thing like at the end of it, you don't want to go, oh, it was the aliens. What? You know, yeah. I mean, the real cop-out ending, we go, really? You know, there's there's an author that we know who will do that shit constantly. Like, <laughs> um, but that to me is, I mean, it, sometimes it works anyway because the writer is so good. Uh, but we didn't do that. It's not the aliens. Um, so, so anyway, I, I loved it. I loved the way it turned out. Uh, and the trick is going to be, you know, uh, uh, getting the people who read my books to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to read that, because a lot of times, if they're afraid that it's going to be different, it's like, oh, but wait, I want my cornflakes. <laughs> you go, well, it's corn- It's like it's cornflakes, but it's it's even better than cornflakes. <laughs> you got to try this, you know. So so that, that's gonna be interesting. And I, I do think people, you know, everybody who's read it it, it, it blows them away. And I'm really, really, really happy with it. And it happens every once in a while, like with the black book was something I did with David Ellis out of Chicago, who's an interesting guy. I mean, he he I want an Edgar, he wanted, he wanted an Edgar 15 years later or whatever. He's an appellate court judge. And he kind of does this, well, I, you know, he works from home now, because well, that's the way the world's going. <laughs> uh uh yeah it's a lot of fun and i'm just very very happy with the way the noise turned out it's just uh yeah whatever so if you're uh if it sounds good uh it'll you know it'll it'll deliver for you i
2: I told jd this morning i could not stop there was no way i was putting Uh that book down until i got to the end so i thought the hook was phenomenal Uh, and i think it keeps surprising
0: you mm -hmm. you keep going what huh uh and, and i do think i don't know how you did you feel the ending was was fairly satisfying
2: yes it, it was michael Crichton esque in a way uh, uh the whole story uh, and i
0: just thought it was fantastic good well thanks thanks and i i i as i say you you wish they would all turn out that way they don't
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i read that e1 has already optioned this book and it's not even published yet how's, how's that going
0: We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we're going out to, you know, whomever, I guess, Netflix and Amazon and, what, and whatever in the next couple of weeks. So I, as I said, you know, if you can get something where it's a TV show or a movie or whatever, and you're like, huh, how can this be? I think you got a hit. You know, it's like that crazy thing with the uh, Netflix that you had to be blindfolded. And they oh, had that picture of the mother and the kids yes. and the canoe and they're blindfolded. You went like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, it's just that, just that scene, uh, 10 seconds of them blindfolded and in the canoe and you're like, okay. <laughs> um, so it, it's one of those, or, or the, uh, what's the quiet, uh, Oh, a quiet place. Same thing. <laughs> I mean, and you know, that, you know, I don't think that the solution is totally interesting, but you know, it's, but it's cool. It's like, okay, what the hell is, you know, what is this all about? Um, you know, and not just on an intellectual level, on a, an emotional level, you know, it's emotional. It's like, you know, you, you really, you know, with the noise, you'd really get involved in these, in these two young girls. Uh, and, and then a couple of the people who were, were coming to try to help Dr. Chan and then, and, and then the, 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 the army Colonel, whatever Frazier. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Well, I figured we could maybe, uh, wrap up our conversation this morning. You can give us an update on, uh, what's happening with all of your work in helping kids uh, read more. I know yeah, that's a big part know, of your life.
0: Yeah, the, you do the best you can. Uh, you know, the thing about uh, one of the the tragedies uh, uh, of, <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. I was thinking about the, the vaccine and, and I don't know whether it's hopeful or incredibly depressing, <laughs> okay? Because the hopeful part is okay, if we all row the boat in the same direction, we can really get stuff done, okay? That's what that demonstrated. If we can just, you know, if everybody says, you know what, we got to do this, a meteor's coming, we got to do, and this is what we can do, and everybody does it. And, 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 And the talent is amazing, and nobody gets in the way, and rules don't get in the way, and you get it done. And I just don't, the fact that they did it, but but it's also depressing that i don't think i think if it's not emergencies we don't seem to be able to do that which is crazy so getting back to education like 45% of the kids in this country are reading at grade level and that's probably going down now because of covid and kids you know at home and and that's a disaster that's awful you know this it's it's there are so many countries in the world where the numbers are so much higher I've been working with the University of Florida for several years now. They have vetted and they have the vaccine. okay? they have it. And it has to do with helping teachers to be better teachers than they are. And it's very doable, doable and painless and teachers love it, et cetera. And we have it where we can take that number from mid 40s up into the mid 70s or 80s. And that means that incredible number of more kids are going to get through high school or get into high school and get through high school. They're going to get better jobs. They're going to be better prepared for life. They're going to, more of them will be able to get into college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have the fricking vaccine. Okay. Can't get state governments, you know, Florida has done some, we're in, I think five or six counties now, but it's like, no, use the damn vaccine. We got it. We know how to solve this problem. We don't know how to solve global warming. That's tough. That's difficult. You know, once again, if somebody said, and it's its really true, if they said it in a convincing way, the earth will burn down in six months. Literally, it's a done deal now. We would really put a dent in global warming in a hurry. But it would have to be that. Right. In six months, there will be no more earth. So, all of your friends, all of your families, wave goodbye to them because they're going to be burnt up in six months. We would do, we would, we, I don't know what we'd solve it, but we'd, we'd really put a dent in it, a monster dent in it. And then we get burnt up. Too bad. But, you know, um, but, it, you know, so here is this thing of, of the damage that's being done in this country by kids reading at that level, being unable to get through school, hating school for good reason. Um, uh, not reading books, um, not thinking, you know, think. I I just, you know, like to me, if I taught in school, the first, every day I'd be like, we got to think, you know, we we literally you were gonna think, you know, like, what are you gonna do after class? You know, I don't know. Okay, well, let's, (laughs) you could, you know, uh, uh, you could read a book, you could play soccer, you could rob a liquor store, Let's open our brains up. What are the things we could do? So don't go, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna learn to think, and we're gonna learn to think past that first thought. That whole thing of first impression, for that's all crap. No, we're gonna keep digging, we're gonna learn to dig deeper. You know, what do we think of Joe Biden? Not to I don't not plus or minus or whatever, the politicians, but okay, why? What's the you know, Clinton, you know, the crap he takes is unbelievable. And people forget when he left office, he had a 65% approval rating. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not asking you to love the guy, but I mean, hey, 65% approval rating based on reality, that's pretty amazing. Nobody's had anywhere near that number since then. So he did something, you know, did he do some wrong stuff? Yeah, probably, sure uh and then since then you know the foundation did a lot of great stuff he and you know and this is another thing he and bush got together you know opposite parties went to africa really helped a lot with aids down there and in a big way so you know let's get dig a little deeper here it's not like you gotta love the guy but it's like you know stop already he's not the devil uh, you know he's not a pet you know what I mean I mean eh, stop already but but with the kids think you gotta think about stuff don't you know oh yeah well, I don't know <laughs> no yeah you do know you do know you know more than you think you know So well, anyway so that's kind of we got a bunch of you know scholarships for teachers. I got a thing I don't know how many schools were at, at colleges um we we uh, just signed up scholastic we've been doing classroom libraries. We had, last last time we did it, we had a hundred and some uh, um, requests for help because the teachers, a lot of times, they have to buy their own books. And we funded 18,000 classroom libraries. Uh, this year, just because it's confusing. So what we're doing this year is we're doing a book club for kids who don't have books. Um, and we're, I don't, there's a lot. We're gonna give away a lot of books uh, to kids that, that, that can't get books. And it'll be, I, I think it's going to be basically um, one a month. I think. I think that's what it is. So you know, a lot of you know, a lot of reasonably good stuff. And I just the way the way I was brought up. I mean, give back if you can. Uh, so you know, we we can do some things, and we try to do, and we try to make it as efficient as we can. Uh, you look at some of the money that's been thrown against education. I mean, the Gates Foundation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. They've wasted so much money because they sit there and they'll do these ridiculous things like. Um, you know, it is a huge thing to get teachers to be able to teach reading better than they can and it's doable and it wouldn't take, it would take probably a hundred million dollars to get the whole country doing it, not a fortune. And they'll do stuff like, um, we're gonna put books in cribs. Okay, that's not the worst thing in the world, but that's gonna be down the list a little bit. I'd love to get to that Uh, or Um, we're gonna get books into the home. There's so many people that don't have books in their homes and man, that's a tough one. The thing I like about, I mean, in terms of, you know, let's get practical too. The thing I love about the getting the teachers and the kids is the kids are, they're gonna be in the school, the teachers are in the school. So it's easier to get that done. (laughs) And the only thing that conceivably is in the way are state governments and maybe unions, maybe maybe. But basically, you know, once teachers see the program, they go, we're in, because most teachers, they want to be better at what they're doing. Who wouldn't? You know, if you could show me and, you know, no matter how good I am, you know, if I'm already getting 80% of my kids reading at grade level, okay, fine, you get it knocked. But if it's a if it's a struggle and we can help you with some stuff, you know, why not? At any rate. So, yeah, like that
2: all right the one and only james patterson uh what it man the guy is you know he's a regular guy you know i i really enjoyed talking to him like he he's so self-effacing he he doesn't want to talk about his accomplishments he's just like a regular working class guy and i love that uh, phenomenal phenomenal interview what do you think zach
4: yeah i i can't agree with you more like it's just he's definitely um you know got definitely humble there's a lot of humility there for sure and um, yeah he just definitely just comes off like like a regular dude um, I, I do have to say I do love uh, what, what he said and I, I don't JD maybe you can remind me who he was talking about but I think he said something like you waste time when you don't outline but he was talking about somebody specific do you remember who he was talking about JD I,
3: I have no idea <laughs> um, alright so here, here's the thing <laughs>
4: <laughs> here, here comes the defense. <laughs> yeah, I've
3: got my bulleted list of, of counterpoints here. Um, so when he sent me the outline for the noise, you know, I, I read through this thing and I and I burned through it. I mean, it's a f- crazy good story, and the outline was was just as good. And and I flipped to like page eighty three or something, and it just sort of ends. Um, like in like midstream like you know in the, in the beginning of the third act there, there's no ending there he doesn't explain where the, what the noise itself is and I don't want to go into all the detail on that but you know pretty integral you know parts of, of the story um so I, so I called him up and I, I told him how much I liked it and you know I said but but it, it, it ends <laughs> you know what, what where's the rest like did you send me the whole thing and he said I, I don't know we'll figure it out as we go um, so Sorry. now you're calling him out I love. yeah it. <laughs> so yeah yeah exactly so you know it, it, it's it's one of those weird weird things you know like we, we have two extremely different writing styles and, and I'm not going to argue you know at this point like he is 100% correct when he says that I, I waste a lot of words or I, I waste time that that is totally true um you know if, if I write a book I tend to to finish up around the 160,000 word point um and I usually cut like 40 to 60,000 of those words out um and in in my brain I justify this as you know almost like a sculptor where he gets the you know big Brick of, of granite, and he's got to find the statue somewhere in between. So he just starts stip, you know chipping away, and until you, you end up with some kind of you know work of art. I mean, it, in my mind, that's kind of how it works. I just keep cutting away the fat and trimming until I, I end up with the you know the best possible book. And for me, it's easier to do that when you've got more words than when you don't have enough. You know, if you come in with something that's sixty thousand words and it feels like a strong story, but you have to get it to eighty thousand, you know, padding never never seems to work. Um, but with this particular book, our, our two styles just really gelled because you know he had the story you know he had this incredible idea um and yeah there obviously there were some some holes there but you know we we did figure it out I mean we you know we, we worked on we wrote up a, a first ending for it and you know he called me up and he's like this is okay but we, we can do better um, you know and he pushed and you know that that's his his strength I mean that's where that the guy is like a, a literary Yoda he just he pushed and pushed and I think we wrote four or five different endings um, but the one that we finally landed on yeah you know, it, it not it, it's good <laughs> you know like it, it was way better than what we initially had you know and I would have probably went with the first one um, you know so there's a, a lot of reasons for for you know the way that he works the way that I work and but with this particular book it just it it all gelled and and kind of worked really well together. Well, in in all fairness, like he did, he did say like, well, you know, whatever, like it works,
2: like, you know, And, and I think that that underscores the idea that like, you don't have to write a
4: specific way if you get
3: the result you want. No, and honestly, I mean, you've read the book. I don't know if Zach's read through it yet. But... It's
4: next on my list. I'm reading Project Hail Mary. Then I'm going to read that. So. All
3: right. um, yeah, So like, you know, in writing that, like, I think because we didn't exactly know what the noise itself was, I think that actually made the story better because otherwise we might have subconsciously dropped hints as to what it was um, as, as we went. And I, and I don't think the final reveal would point. have been as, as good as it as it was. Um, and we, when we did finally figure it out, we had to go back and we had to seed a couple of things throughout the story in order to, to make it all work. But I, I really do feel that 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 added to it. So we'll see. Well, I mean, that, it comes out in about a month and a half. Well, now I
4: understand why they're always doing work on your house, because you didn't let them use a blueprint when they bought it, when they were building it. So there you go. <laughs> uh, no, but ser- I'm just I'm just messing. With you. But no, seriously, Um, I'll tell you another thing I love that he that he talked about Um. Uh, was I, I love it, it was like such a quotable line like where he talked I don't remember exactly what he said I wish I'd written it written it down but when he talked about how you can make a really steady career off just writing really good beginnings and ends but then you know you can win a literary prize if you can win write really good middles yeah and and I was like man I've never heard anyone just come out and say that but there's so much truth in what he said especially about how you can make just a really good career off writing like really solid beginnings and ends. I thought that was awesome.
3: Yeah, and that's one of the things that he beat me up on, you know, in all the books that we've worked on together, and we've got three now under our belts, and, um, you know, if if something's slow, you know, even if it's just a sentence, if it slows things down, if it feels like we're in that that muddy middle, you know, that a lot of people tend to get stuck in, uh, he cuts it, you know, or at least highlights it, he points it out, and we find some way to to tweak it and make it faster and just keep those pages flipping, and if if you can't, if we can't come up with a way to do it, it, it's gone um and you know I, I don't know how many books he's worked on at this point i mean there's hundreds i think that that he's been either written or co-written or been involved with and you know they all have that feel not one of them moves slow and and you know that's that's all him you know it's, it, it's an incredible guy to, to talk to about this stuff i mean i'm 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 honestly i'm blessed to, to be able to, to work with them and and you know learn what i have from him yeah i mean
2: you you really are getting a, a once in a lifetime opportunity to to learn from a master and uh, i I was prepared I had all these craft questions prepared and then at one point he's like yeah but I don't want to talk about craft because yeah <laughs> he, yeah he said he's
4: got a book coming out next year or something because yeah. I was I was really curious about his like I, I figured they would, you would guys wouldn't get into it but I was really curious about his process with the president and if it was different from what he normally does with everybody else or yeah. if it's like I don't know that was that was but he talked about it a little bit I guess but yeah
3: I'm sure he called Bill Clinton up, and, you know, right, after reading something and said, This is complete shit. You have to rewrite it. <laughs> like, I think, I think I think he does that to everybody <laughs> and it, and and the books end up, you know better better for it. so. Uh, yeah, I, I've been beating him up on that as as well because you know here's here's this guy, the number one selling author in the world. You know, he obviously has a, a system in place. He's got the the entire process dialed in, you know, not only from writing the books, but the the marketing side side. He, you know, he went into one of the commercials that he's working on for the noise. And like he does this with you know all of his big books. Um and he's you know, he's the the guy behind it. It's not you know the publisher that's creating these things. Like he's at his desk and he's thinking up you know new ideas for a television spot for you know for the ad that's gonna show up in the magazines and like he's putting all that stuff together on it. His own, um, it, it's it's just such a, a wealth of knowledge. So I've been trying to get him to write a book on craft, you know, just try and get this out of him because I've I've gotten you know obviously a pretty good glimpse of, of how all this stuff works, um, but he just you know at this point he doesn't want to do it. Um, he told me that a lot of this is going to be in the autobiography, so we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for that one for for sure. Um, but you know, I, I really hope he does put something out there. If it's not in the autobiography at, at some point, just something to help the rest of us kind of figure all this out because he's, he's obviously been there, done that. And he's, he's got a good handle on all of it. Yeah. And if you
2: haven't checked out his masterclass yet, you ne- you definitely need to do that. Uh, he, yeah.
4: he needs to do a masterclass on Ryan sales copy that part <laughs> where he was talking about coming up with the, the noise and the hook and everything. I was like, I, I was, I literally just stopped and I was like, that is it was amazing i was like he should he could do a whole book on just writing sales copy for
3: books <laughs> well you know we we actually we talked about that over a year ago like he initially brought it up you know he's like because this has a sound element to it we could do a really cool commercial i don't know what that is yet but we're going to be able to do one um and we we toyed with a bunch of different ideas and, and what he finally landed on is is awesome and you know like it's it's going to work on social media it's going to work on television and that's you know, awesome. this, yeah and you know and, and if you go way back and we've talked about this before that's that's where he came from he was working in marketing before he started yeah. writing his books he, he wrote that Toys R Us theme song that you know will probably be stuck in my head the day that I die you know it just it doesn't go away so he's he's good at that too I mean the, the one other thing that you know I, I that he does that a lot of people don't talk about and I wish they talked about more is just all the the philanthropy that he that he does you know he he yeah. donates so much money to schools and just you know he's, he's on a mission to get kids to read um and he didn't go into it too much on this podcast but like he's worked with educators on you know different methods to actually teach children how to read and and you know determined what works you know better than this and and what works you know like like the best ways to do it and he's like trying to get some of these these methods rolled out into schools and and things like that and you know he mentioned that he funded 18,000 classroom libraries like that's yeah, insane. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes me feel like the rest of us just need to get off our collective asses and, and start doing something, you know, to, to help out. I mean, I, I wish there was more I could do on that front, but, yeah. You know, well,
4: especially with you and I, like, you know, having really young children, <clears throat> like that really that really hit home, and I just thought that, that that's amazing that he's doing that. And I was sitting there thinking about ways. I was like, man, I wonder if the – folks at my daughter's school know about what he's doing and stuff like how can I you know but it it was it was awesome to hear like uh that and I think that he that's some amazing work that he's doing
3: yeah um yeah my daughter and I we 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 start the day with a book I read a book to her first thing in the morning and my wife reads her one you know when she puts her to bed at night and you know like she lights up when she sees a brand new book you know like we go to a store it's like the the books are you know just as cool to her as the toys are and I, I really hope that doesn't change
2: it will, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, here, here's sure Jay coming will. in just to burst our bubble, like always. So,
4: uh, you know. Yeah, the
3: other thing he threw out there, like right at the end, and it was a throwaway line, but he, he, he said in, in six months, there'll be no more Earth you know like it, it, and like that's what it would take in order to get people off their their butts to yeah. actually do something about global warming but you know like that's kind of how his brain works when it comes to creating stories like I was just that's gonna that say. sentence yeah like that that will turn into the basis for a you know a blurb and that blurb will turn into a rough outline and that rough outline will get built and yeah you know, that book will be out in in 6 months <laughs> you know? i, I had to say, when he said that i was about to say it sounds like the next
2: patterson novel <laughs> <laughs> I also love too the uh, the inadvertent shout out to Josh Mallerman. Yeah. Oh no, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Josh that is that actually at
3: awesome. tri- He's actually at Tribeca right now, de- debuting a new movie. So I'm I'm going to shoot him an email and just let him know that this is out there because I'm sure he'll he'll get a kick out of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anything else from the from Patterson that we want to mention?
3: I don't think so. I'm out of breath, dude. yeah as a a, a great great interview so yeah yeah i mean definitely a a very down-to-earth guy i mean he he called me when he got off um the today show the other day um when he was on there talking about this book and he he sounded like a kid at christmas time you know just to this day i mean he's done this a million times and he he still gets off on it and enjoys it and all, all of that is refreshing
2: i'm sure he called you as soon as he was done talking to me too (laughs)
3: <laughs> no actually he didn't I haven't heard from him yet
2: <laughs> sorry man I, I hope I didn't ruin anything for you <laughs>
3: No, if anything it's, he just hasn't gotten the restraining order together yet and I'll get a copy <laughs> of it when it's done
2: <laughs> excellent okay well that's it for us on this bonus episode we're going to head out uh, just check your podcast feed we will be back in our regular rotation on Monday with Jasmine Darznik, uh talking about the Bohemian. so we'll see
1: you then Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.